Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to C3 Corumbans podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. So good to have you with us. Why don't you enjoy this week's sermon? We are preaching on a preaching series at the moment in one accord. Our focus for the year, well, I didn't even introduce myself. Hey, welcome. I'm Dan. Nice to meet you if we haven't met yet. That's a good place to start. Thanks, Kurt. That was enthusiastic. Clap. Come on. Pulled you back out in the gym this week, but you can clap still pain-free. Thank you. Just not standing up. That's okay. And my name is Dan. Uh, Hannah and I get to lead this incredible church, and I uh, love you guys. So good to have you here. We're in a preaching series, as I said, in one accord. At the end of Acts chapter 2, the church is birthed, the Holy Spirit falls, 3,000 people are saved and baptized that day. And it talks about what it looked like post salvation. They were in one accord, in one place. And there are six things that we want to touch on and look at. What does a church in one accord actually look like? Now, the rest of this whole year, our theme is walking in Him together. Walking in Him, being in Christ, knowing that when we're saved, we're not just believing in Christ, we are in Christ, but you were never saved to sit by yourself. You were never saved to work out your salvation alone. You were saved into a body of believers to grow and work out your salvation. So what does it look like walking in Him together? What does it look like to be in one accord? Today I want to talk about praying for each other. Praying for each other. Acts chapter 2, the passage that we have been bouncing out of, I believe it's verse 42, verse 43 straight away. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We looked at week one, submission to the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is God-inspired. That God-inspired in Greek is theonoustos. It literally means God-spirited. It's the only time that Greek word is used in all the New Testament. So even though God speaks to us in other ways, nothing has the authority of Scripture. Everything needs to be submitted to Scripture. And I'm going to say this because I think the church in the West, myself included, us included, it's very easy to say we, we love the Word of God and we believe in it, but it's, it's a different thing to live a life submitted to the Word of God, allowing it to shape you convict you, change you. Oh my goodness, I'm not living that way. Look at that verse. I'm going to work with the Holy Spirit to get that in my life, that habit, or break this bad habit. Let the Word of God have that power, that submission to the Word of God. We looked at table fellowship, having people over, eating together, and that's what in one accord is. Last week, we looked at believing for miracles. We're a church that believes in miracles and the supernatural. We're just not going to be weird about it, and we're not going to be idolatrous about it. We don't chase signs and wonders. We preach the gospel, we show the gospel, we live the gospel, and we expect signs and wonders. See the difference? Some churches are chasing them. I'm not chasing them. I'm chasing salvation. I want to see people saved with the gospel. And in doing so, Matthew 16 says, preach the good news and signs and wonders will follow you. See the difference? So we, we expect them here, though, every single time we're here. And today I want to look at prayer. So the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread coming, not next week, the week after, and in prayers, fear came upon every soul and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Next, oh, I've got the whole thing up there. What was the other verse I gave you, Dens? On prayer. Here we go. James 5. Thank you so much. This is what we're going to bounce out of today. I want to talk about praying for each other. The book of James is believed to be the first book written in the New Testament uh, by Jesus' brother, James. It's a great book. 
some intense ones in there as well. The random fact, just in case people like trivia. Martin Luther started the Great Reformation. He's a very, very famous, pivotal theologian. Hated the book of James <laughs> because his whole life's endeavour was coming against the Catholic Church trying to destroy works. At the time, the Catholic Church was saying you are saved through works. Your loved ones can be purchased out of purgatory or hell if you pay this much money, if you, uh, asceticism. Martin, uh, Martin Luther used to crawl up staircase on his hands and knees to punish himself while saying prayers in his head. This is how people got in a right relationship with God. I'm getting off topic, but it's fun anyway. Uh, he gets a revelation of Romans chapter 1, verse 17, and the righteous live by faith. And he believes that people are made right with God through faith and not by works. And that's the Reformation. That's what Protestantism came from. That's why we're not Catholic anymore. Some of you might be, sorry. Uh, We would call ourselves predominantly Protestants. And that birth out of faith alone. We get the five solas of the Great Reformation. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, through the Word of God alone, glory to God alone. And so this, this one, this faith alone was so big to Martin Luther that he gets to James in James 2 and it's like, well, show me your faith by your works, which is a beautiful verse. But he believed it was doing so much damage to the church, he hated it. <laughs> Called this book of James, um, a book of straw. And he, he wanted it ripped out of the Bible. Fascinating. Anyway, let's get back into it. Hey, let's, yeah. just, just off topic. All right. I want us to sit here today. So this is the first book written to the church, and this is the end of it. And I really, really like, this is, this is what he's saying to the church, not just to leaders, to the church. Christians, let's do this. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. <laughs> just so matter of fact, right? I love it. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and Pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Just to stop there, keep that verse there, please, Dan. It's been a little bit, Awkward, yet really fun. The last three months in a lot of the services we finish with, we're like, hey, let's just pray for each other. And it's awkward at the start. Let's be honest, probably 90%, unless you're Lee. But for everyone else, it's like, oh, goodness, what do I say? And how do I pray? And what words do I say? But the reason I want to persist with this is what a beautiful culture that doesn't care as much about the volume or the words, but just the heart. I'm just going to pray for you. It's like inviting someone over for a meal. If you are not inviting someone over for a meal because you're not that great of a cook, stop. Get that out. Just invite someone over. Even if the food is average, what happens in table fellowship is so powerful that God moves. So we get the word hospitality from. It's got hospital in it. It's a healing place. So when we're praying, focus less on you, Focus less on your awesomeness. Focus less on what to say. Focus less on, but I haven't been in church that long. Focus on the authority of Jesus Christ. And pray for each other. How is that? It's so good. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
there's a whole topic in there for another time. How sometime affliction in our world is a result of unrepentant sin. That's another preach. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, yet when he, catch this bit, prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. I think I stopped there. Is that right, Dan? Did I send you the Tim Keller quote? Thanks, bud. You're all right. Can we thank Denzel? He's an absolute freaking legend. Just quickly, the reason YouTube, hello, I forgot to say hello to YouTube. I love you. God bless you. The reason YouTube is working, the reason the new camera is set up and working, the reason another program on that computer called Resi is working, the reason we have order of service is all Denzel being an absolute legend and a genius. And we love you, bud. So good. Ian and Kev Tilly, we come all the time during the week. They figure out sound stuff. Kev's here 40 hours pretty much. I might have to start paying. Anyway, I'm topic. You guys are amazing. All right. Timothy Keller. You know I love him. I quote him all the time. Prayer, though it is often draining, even an agony, is in the long term the greatest source of power that is possible. Very good, sir. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much that you would help us normalize prayer and do it more regularly. Help us not to wait to just prayer meetings. Help us not to wait and try and set aside an hour or two to pray. Help us just to think of you and talk to you. Help us to fulfill your word in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing just to be in constant dialogue with you and conversation with you, Lord. Help us, help us to see the power of prayer that even when it feels like nothing is happening and that even when it feels like you are not listening and you are definitely not responding, even when it feels like we cannot hear you and you're so distant, when we get thoughts of doubt and beat ourselves up because nothing is happening and it feels like you are not paying attention to our prayers. Holy Spirit, help us to have a full conviction that we are digging a well and water is coming. Help us to have a conviction that every prayer shifts something and makes some progress. Help us to have a conviction that you say we should pray and supernatural things will happen again and again and again. Help us to see your word in James 4 too that says we have not because we ask not. Help us to see the power of praying for each other. Lord, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer, praying together, praying together. Oh, my intros are way too long all the time. Okay, praying together. It says right at the end, Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed earnestly. The interesting thing, in the Greek, and I always get Greek wrong, so I'm not even going to pronounce it, but when you look at it, prayed and earnestly are almost the identical term. It's like the smallest difference at the end. But it could be interpreted, Elijah was a man like us, yet when he prayed, prayed. That's literally how you could interpret it. No, no, he, he prayed, prayed. 
What I want us to do is understand that there is this deep, there's a, there's a prayer, but then there's a connection with God kind of prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyone like me? I think that's why it says Elijah was a man like us. James is like, hey, we, we all struggle with prayer sometimes. <laughs> we all struggle with it. I, I, sometimes I walk around and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, thank you for this. And my head is just in a completely other land. And I walk around here and I'm like, what the heck have I been praying about? See, it, we start off that way often. I want you to know that you're not abnormal either. We're all like this. We start off praying and it's tough to start most of the time. Unless you're in a trial, unless you're in a tribulation, unless something is going on in your world now, starting prayer often, it's just tough, right? But the goal, more than volume and more than eloquent, theologically accurate words, the goal is sensing God. He prayed, but there's a connection to God. So it's not just a shopping list. I'm not just saying it for the sake of it. In my prayer, I'm trying to locate the Holy Spirit. Where are you, God? Where are you? And then in that connection, things shift. Things change. There's a practice I started doing a few years ago. I just want you guys to do it now. Can you just close your eyes just for a minute, one minute? Same as if you're watching on YouTube now or later this week, just close your eyes right now. Think about yesterday. Think about your day yesterday. If you're like me and you have young kids, you can't remember. It's all a blur anyway. But let's just try and think about Saturday Yesterday, go through the day, think about what you did. And here's my question. Where was God for you yesterday? Now, that might be a confusing question, so let's go deeper. When did you feel a little thought to help someone? When did you feel a little prompt to open a door for someone? When did you feel a little thought to not get angry at it or something? When did you feel a a thought to pray for someone? When did a situation almost stress you out, but suddenly you felt peaceful? See those little moments. Just think of something little. That's God there. It's just this small prompt. The Holy Spirit. If you're there, and if you're not there, that's fine. Don't beat yourself up. But if you're there with your eyes still closed, just sensing that moment, remembering that moment where it was a really actually easy, normal everyday moment, but there was something about God on that moment, that's where I want you to pray from. So right now for the next 30 seconds, I just want you to talk to God about that moment. Just pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for prompting me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for bringing me peace. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for that revelation I got when reading your word. What was it? Something was there. Thank you, God. All right, you guys can look up here. To me, that's praying, praying. That's he prayed, prayed. That's not walking around just saying stuff. That's me and you, God. Let's get away. Let's be together. This was Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a person just like you. But when he prayed, prayed, something shifted. Let's find that place, okay? Sometimes people come, you know, they're nervous to come to prayer meetings. This prayer meeting on Wednesday night was amazing. Thank you for everyone who came. It was like, I would say more than double what we normally get. The room just filled with people and it was beautiful prayer happening here. And here's what I want to say again and again. Don't not come because you're nervous about praying. I learnt to pray being in prayer meetings. 
I remember being like 19, 20, you know, before, I was, obviously there's, there's different levels of busyness. I was single at the time, not married, didn't have kids. I get that life is busy. But I just remember being in the room with Pastor Eric, I just remember listening. And you learn how to pray. You learn the courage. You learn confidence in God's name. You learn to pray. So learn to pray. And today I want to look at this passage at what are we praying for? First thing, is anyone among you suffering? You should pray. People right now are suffering, northern New South Wales. They need a church that believes in the power of prayer. They need a church. Non-Christians out there, crystals are covered in mud and their wind chimes got blown away, (laughs) waiting for a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's just some fun. I'm not having shots. If you have crystals and wind chimes, go for it. This is the stuff I get emails about. I'm sorry, it was a joke. <laughs> Apologise now. But they need a church that believes in prayer. Yes, they need physical help in the next coming months, totally. But they need prayer. Is anyone suffering? He's not like, is anyone suffering? He doesn't list a bunch of things. Go and get food from the church. There's, there's some help there. There's finances there. Uh, take a day off work. Have a sabbatical. It, like These things are helpful. What's his absolute definite? You should pray. Those other things are helpful and great. We'll do what we can there. But the power of prayer and praying for each other. Some of the things that I just keep trying to help our members to see is worship shouldn't be limited to Sunday morning. Prayer shouldn't be limited to Sunday morning after the service here. Now, this is a whole nother preach and a whole nother topic. I do believe in anointing of God. I do believe certain places and times have a stronger sense of God's presence. So I do believe that there is power on this altar when the people of God are here after worship for miracles to happen. I do it. If someone out there asks me for prayer, I'm like, let's go to the altar. I do believe in that. But I also believe in the power of prayer out there. I believe in the power of prayer in your kitchen Monday morning. I believe in the power of prayer in your car on the way to work tomorrow. I believe in the power of prayer when kids are screaming at you <laughs> and you want to put them on the street. Prayer has helped me many times. Lord, do what you can. <laughs> There's a power of prayer. Is anyone suffering? He should pray. Why? Now, I don't want to go into a topic of suffering, but we do regularly. I want us to come back to this. Prayer is less about getting you out of the suffering and more about bringing God into your suffering. Yes, I will pray with you for the suffering to be over. We have a lot of members in our church going through difficult situations right now. We're praying for the situation to end. I'm praying for that kind of outcome. I'm praying for cancer to be gone. I'm praying this week, remember, diagnosis of arthritis. I'm praying for that to be gone in Jesus' name. I'm praying for... um, seizures to stop happening. I'm praying for kids to come back into the house of God. I'm praying for miracles now, things to happen now. But if you've ever been prayed for by me here, you'll, you'll hear one main thing, but Lord, right now, bring your peace. Right now you come into the situation. Psalm 23 is one of my life verses and chapters. The Lord is my shepherd, but I keep coming back to this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Not because even when I'm about to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you doubled my bank account, made me really healthy, and I avoided the the valley altogether because life's just easy. That's not it. 
Life is brutal at times. Life is really difficult at times. But the beauty is God will never leave you. The beauty is even in the midst of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. It doesn't even talk about David coming out when he gets to verse 6. The last, we don't know if he still sees himself in this metaphorical valley of the shadow of death, but he says, Surely goodness and loving mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See that revelation and feeling in the midst of suffering? I, I am not that impressed when, you know, myself or other Christians or people like, look like they're achieving kind of things when life's easy. You know what I mean? I, I'm looking for Christians who hold on to Jesus in the midst of the, the trial. That impresses the heck out of me. Like, oh my goodness, when people are just like, yeah, but God's still good. God's still faithful. Today is awful, but God is good. That's what we're after. There, there's, we all love the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> we're all like, oh, love, joy, yes, more joy, Lord, peace. Patience, yes. Long suffering. <laughs> I can go over there to Mikey. What's the next one? All right. Gentleness, goodness, self control. I can take those. No one wants the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit. Long suffering. It's the ability to endure suffering for a long time. Friend of mine, Adam Ramsey, doing his PhD, studied the first 400 years of literature for the church fathers. He said, Do you know the most written on theme in the first 400 years is long suffering? <laughs> it's a powerful thought. We preach about prosperity and blessing sometimes, but God wants to produce in you long suffering. It's a quick way to shrink the church, isn't it? Just keep preaching on that kind of thing. <laughs> is anyone suffering? Pray. Because, yes, we're praying for that suffering to end. Yes, we're praying for God to bring you out. But more than that, I'm praying you grow in Christ in it. I'm praying in the midst of your suffering, you experience peace. In the midst of your suffering, you experience joy. Second thing, time's sake. Is anyone sick? Let him pray too. Let's believe for healings. Amen? There is power in the name of Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I'm calling you, Christian. I'm calling you. You are called to believe for miracles. You and 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 you are called to believe. We touched on this last week. My interpretation and feelings from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. That's my feelings. Paul says, I plant seeds and Apollos waters the seeds, but only God can make it grow. And my takeaway from that is that you and I are not in control, nor are we called to see the healing or the salvation, but you are absolutely called to plant seeds and water seeds. You are called to share the gospel and you are called to pray and believe. Whatever God chooses to do outside of that, that's up to God. But the one thing that, that breaks my heart is when Christians stop planting seeds and stop watering because growth didn't happen where they wanted, when they wanted. 
And now my heart breaks with you when a loved one isn't saved or a loved one isn't healed and they pass into eternity. My heart breaks with you. But that's up to God. Now we're going to keep planting seeds and watering seeds. So is anyone sick? I want us again and again and again to believe God's going to bring healing here. God's going to bring healing to this situation. Uh, I, I know that this says elders and I, I believe in the teaching of elders in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. I believe there is an office of elder within the, every local body of Christ. Once again, another subject for another time. I do believe there is a different authority there. But what I want us to look at, it says, I think there's an authority that comes in leadership too. So I would love to hear about prayer happening for healings in sozo groups. Let's go to sozo and be like, hey, I'm sick. Can you pray for me? It's a tough time to tell someone who's sick to go to a sozo group, isn't it? Wait, all restrictions just lifted last night. There we go. No masks, no social distancing. That's <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm allowed to preach on that topic anymore right now. So anyway, if you're sick, we want to pray for you. We want to believe for a healing. We want to believe for a miracle. Amen? If you're suffering, let him pray. If you're sick, let them pray. And the last one I'll finish with this. Is anyone among, uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Prayer is the answer for suffering, point number one. Prayer is the answer for sickness, point number two. Prayer is the answer for sinners. Now I want to highlight something because once again, it's, I've touched on it a lot the last few years because we've heard some um, other movements and, and preachers more in America, I think twisting the topic of Christian repentance in a way that I don't agree with. So this, pretty clearly to me, these two verses, so the top one is still in James chapter 5, it's verse 15, the bottom one in First John chapter 1, pretty clearly to me is writing to Christians not non-Christians. And so two Christians, one of the around, uh, uh, founding apostles of faith, both James and John, talk about confessing your sins. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. First John 1 John 1.9, but if we, speaking about believers, confess our sins to him, Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We spoke on this more in depth, so I won't do it now. Uh, last year, towards the start of the year, we preached through Colossians, and in Colossians 2, it speaks about the sinful nature that was circumcised or cut away from us at the moment of salvation. And just to really quickly touch on this, I'm sorry if it goes above your head if you're new to Christianity or you're not a Christian this morning, but this is just something that Christians need to hear again and again. The moment you get saved, the authority of the sinful nature is gone. That authority, that dominion of the Romans 6 will speak about sin had a dominion over you. At salvation, that is gone. But the luring, enticing, tempting nature of sin will be there until you go to heaven. That's why James 1, if you're taking notes and you care, uh, and you want to do more study, James 1. 13 to 15 says, when you're tempted, don't say I'm being tempted by God. God cannot tempt. Instead, each one of us is tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desires. And we entertain those desires. They give birth to sin and sin fully grown gives birth to death. So at the moment of salvation, the power of sin over you is gone. You now have the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's still about daily making decisions to kill sin. 
still about daily making decision to come back to Jesus, right? It's very easy. You would have seen this as well. People leave all the time because the temptation for this world is too strong. And I guess my only, I don't want to make too many blanket statements on that, but one blank, blanket statement I would say is I don't believe I've ever seen it where it's gone from one day passionate Christian to the next day never coming back to church. What instead I think I see is day by day people forgetting to wage war on sin. People forgetting to repent. People forgetting to confess their sins. People forgetting to come back to God and, and recognize that they did sin. And you just slowly step by step drift over here until you don't see a need for repentance anymore. Confessing your sins, I'm not going to create a new practice here where we set up a confessional. But all I'll say is this, in Genesis 3, when Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did was hide themselves. Each one of us struggles with sin and idolatry in some way, shape or form. It might be lust, it might be money, it might be power, it might be approval, the list goes on. Each one of us. And all sin is trying to get you to do, its main goal is to hide yourself. Don't confess it. They'll think, they'll think you're a loser. Don't confess it. You've been a Christian way longer than this. You shouldn't still be struggling with this sin. You can't talk to anyone about it. Don't go to your sozo leader and talk about this struggle. Don't go and talk to a friend about this sin in your world. Keep it to yourself. You can deal with this. You're strong enough. Sin's famous last words. Without bringing back confessional, <laughs> there is power in finding a friend in the body of Christ to bring them in to your struggles. I am so blessed to have a bunch of other pastor friends. Steve Godfrey at C3 Kingscliff, Justin Pearson at C3 Coffs Harbour, Adam Ramsey at Liberty Church on the Gold Coast. Those three know everything about me. Because I say to them, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to get you to help me. So I talk about all my struggles. <laughs> And I get them, we pray together, and I ask them to help, because I need it. And so my encouragement to you is try and find someone. I know it naturally feels better in a friendship relationship, but try and find someone that you're not trying to impress. This is life together. This is one accord. Confess your sins to each other. Believe for forgiveness. Believe for God to move. Believe for suffering to go. Believe for sickness to be healed. Believe for sin's power to be eradicated. Sin's power to be gone in our church. How does it happen? We don't hide it. We're not faking it, calling ourselves perfect Christians. We're not faking it going, no, I'm good, thanks. I don't need prayer. I need prayer. When we pray at the end of the service, I find someone, I'm like, yeah, you can pray for me. I need it. Because we're in this together, amen? I'll get the band up. If you're here today and you walked in not calling yourself a Christian or you do not know Jesus, the one thing I hope you heard is that Jesus loves you so much that through prayer and connection with Him and talking to Him, there is power for forgiveness of sins. There is power for a relationship with Him to start. That's what we pray about, confess your sins, because Jesus died on the cross. That When I kept saying there's power in the name of Jesus, He has that authority to forgive you of the sin. He has that authority to set you free. And so if you're here and you walked in not calling yourself a Christian or, or you called yourself a Christian but you're convinced you're not in a close relationship with Him, I would love to get to pray with you after our service right here. I'm going to wait there. 
I'd love to meet you. I'd love to pray with you. If you're a bit nervous coming to me, but you want to know more, John is at the back in the white shirt waving now. We have free Bibles there, and we've got little forms in them, just a, a few points of the gospel and some scriptures to encourage you with your reading this week. Feel free to grab a free Bible on the way out. We want to help you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we stand up together before we finish this morning? We're going to pray together. So, it might be awkward at the start, but we're just going to go past it, right? This is a practice we want to cultivate. This is a practice we see power in. I've been loving hearing stories of miracles happening. I've been loving hearing stories of encouraging words being happening. I, I love hearing what's happening now. And so, let's do this today. Is anyone suffering in any way? Physical health, mental struggle, anything. Yeah, keep your hands up. If you're going through a tough time, floods, relationally, is there anything going on in your world you need prayer? Shoot up your hand. And don't be proud. Don't be like, oh, I'm not dying. Like, do you need prayer right now from a believing believer? Shoot your hand up. All right, church, go and find someone with their hand up. Go and find someone with their hand up and believe for God to do what only God can do.